Hi, everyone. My name is Kirk Bachman, and welcome to the very first episode of Escoffier's podcast. In today's episode, we're featuring Shane Witters Hicks, an Escoffier graduate who decided to leave behind a career as a power systems engineer after realizing his true passion was in the kitchen. Join us as we hear how Shane has embarked on a unique career transition from the science lab to becoming a chef with an emphasis on plant-based cuisine. Shane, welcome. Thank you for being here today. It's so good to see you. How are you? Hey, Chef Kirk. Thanks so much for having me. It is a delight to be on the podcast. I'm doing so well. Are you staying healthy? Sure am. Yeah, yep. it's, it's been yep. a long year, right? It has. It's been a, a crazy time for everyone. And yeah, grateful to be here. Grateful to be in beautiful Boulder, Colorado and looking forward to the future. <laughs> it is beautiful today. In particular, fresh snow on the ground, blue skies. I absolutely love it. That's right. I know my roommate was saying, you know, he's not from Colorado and he was talking about how he thinks the winter's over. And I was like, yeah, not yet. <laughs> not give it, so give fast. It a little more time. Colorado's so a little fast. late in the winter department. Yeah, it's great to get, I don't know if you ski, but it's great to get some late season snow. Absolutely. Get up and get a few more runs. I think the the season's about over. Are you a skier? You know, I used to be a skier and guiltily, I just don't, you know, unless there's like a direct motivation, like friends literally pull me out to go downhill skiing, <laughs> I will not. But that being said, I am a pretty avid Nordic skier and I there you really go. Oh, there you go. Yeah. cross-country skate skiing. I've actually, fun fact, I've been cross-country skiing at a YMCA, it's called Snow Mountain Ranch, every year since I've been born. When I was, my first year I was born, my parents pulled me in a backpack. <laughs> no way. Over, over by Winter Park, right? Yep. You got it. Yeah. Snow that's a, that's yep. an awesome place. Yeah. Very, yep. very cool. Well, let's talk food, buddy. I've spent so much time over the last, people don't know, a couple of years that I've known you, right? And we talking about food and your experience at Escoffier and next steps and all that. And I realized as I was thinking about our time together today that I never really asked you why you made the move from a career in engineering to culinary arts. What fueled that decision? Yeah, gosh, I guess we never did talk about that transition. It was a big one for sure, as I'm sure anyone who has made a big career change can relate to. I got my degree, a bachelor's degree in physics, and directly after my college experience, I started working at one of the Department of Energy labs called the National Renewable Energy Laboratory, doing power systems engineering. And so, you know, working in that field of renewable energy, I am still very passionate about that subject. I still think it's <laughs> uh, very important, obviously. And my my line of work was related to how we're going to transition our electric grid, which is very dated and archaic, essentially, to a more modern electric grid. You've probably heard the term smart grids before. Mm -hmm. And so it was related to that kind of work. And I was more involved in the computer programming aspect of that. So again, very good work. I'm very passionate about that still. But, you know, I just spent a lot of time sitting at my desk. And thinking, Shane, what the heck? You are spending <laughs> way too much time thinking about food. I was thinking about what I was going to be cooking that evening, what projects I wanted to tackle in the kitchen instead of projects I wanted to tackle 
related to renewable energy and electric grids. And it just became, to be quite honest, ultimately clear after a couple months that I was devoting too much thought energy in the direction of the culinary industry and not enough thought energy into my actual work. And although I was getting work done, you know, I was still fulfilling my job role. I just felt like, you know, if I can make a go of a culinary career, I would love to find out sooner rather than later. I would not like to put this off. So one day after I finished that job, I. Just, I actually stayed up all night one night, really just kind of wrestling with this idea and redid my resume completely. If anybody has made this kind of a similar transition, they probably have have encountered the dilemma of like, okay, how do I make myself sound credible enough to get hired on a resume, even though I have no actual professional experience? So I'm trying to like, I'm on my resume, like, okay, how do I make it sound like I have more experience than I cook in my mom's kitchen? Is that where it started? Did you cook a lot at home with your family? Is that where the passion came from while you sat there at your desk thinking about food and instead of renewable energy? <laughs> you bet. You bet. <laughs> uh, the origin story is absolutely in my, um, my mom's kitchen. Um, she, you know, she's a fantastic home cook. I have great memories of having a flour dusted face when I was like two years old, you know, rolling pastries out and things like that. And nothing too fancy, but I definitely developed a love for it there. And I think it really blossomed in college. In between my physics projects, I'd get relief. I'd come up for air by going into the dorm room kitchen with friends and whipping together homemade pizzas and calzones and pastas and just really fun comfort food. I love that story. And it's a very common story among a lot of great cooks and passionate cooks that they were there in the kitchen with their grandma or their or their mom. And that's yeah, a beautiful story. I love it. So cooking in college, what came first, the Scoffier or the industry? Did you go into the industry and do a few odd things in the kitchen and then came to Escoffier? Is that how it worked? You got it. Yeah. I was actually pretty passionate about that point. Culinary school did occur to me. I've always considered myself a big student at heart. Love learning. I know I will be a lifelong learner. And so I, I felt like I actually originally planned to go do higher education for physics because you can't do very much with just a bachelor's in physics. You really need to go on to get either a master's or a PhD to actually do some solid research. So higher education was always, I think, in the cards for me. And so when I made the transition to the culinary school, absolutely, I was thinking, okay, how am I going, you know, what's the next step as far as education? But after doing some research, I I really felt passionate that I don't want to just jump in, what's the expression, green behind the ears, very Mm -hmm. inexperienced, essentially, into culinary school, because I'd heard too many stories of people having absolutely no restaurant experience and going to culinary school thinking they're hot stuff. And no offense to them, I think a lot of people do that, and it probably ends up working out just fine for them. But I think the issue is that a lot of people do that, and then they leave culinary school, go into a restaurant setting and find that they had no idea what they were in for. I really wanted to get some solid experience in a restaurant kitchen before I went to culinary school. So yeah, I worked for about a year and a half in the industry, which I know isn't a really long time, but it definitely allowed me to get my hands a little dirty in the restaurant industry and and see what that actually feels like, you know, feel the burn of the line before I actually went and, and got the theory, the academia 
behind it all. I think it was a good way to do it. (laughs) It's brilliant. Yeah. There's a lot of value in getting a taste of it, right? Pun intended, before you fully dive in. So now, fast forward, you're an entrepreneur, which is super, super cool. Let's talk about the Soulful Spread. The Soulful Spread. Sure. That's your company, right? That's right. And, you know, it's still pretty new. It hasn't been around. It still kind of feels like my thought child, even though it's definitely been up and going for a couple months now. Back in, oh gosh, it was pretty deep into the pandemic. I think I created it in September of 2020. So just a few months actually after I officially graduated from Escoffier. Escoffier, as the listeners might know, requires you to do a real industry externship out in the field. And I conducted mine as a pastry cook at a farm-to-table bistro here in Boulder. And I continued doing that for the months after I graduated, actually. I was really grateful that even during the COVID-19 pandemic, they hired me and were willing to take me on. And so I was just super grateful to have some form of work, baking pastries, baking sourdough, loved that I got that skill. But I just felt like the structured nine to five, Monday through Friday, it just, I wanted to try something different. It's not that I, that structured lifestyle didn't work for me. You know, I've done that before and I I do enjoy aspects of it, but I just kept learning more and more through experience that I operate best in my home kitchen when I, you know, I'm my own boss, I control my own schedule. And as I'm sure entrepreneurs out there listening can relate, when you have that flexibility in your life to be your own boss, it comes with a lot of perks. It's really nice. It's super motivating, right? It's hard to believe, Shane, that a, over a year has passed. I can recall uh, you did a few classes for us, plant-based classes on the weekends. And you and I were talking a lot about Portland, Oregon and sort of the the plant-based centric scene up there. And we were uh, talking to a few places and then the pandemic really kind of settled in. So what kind of planning went into, that's how you adapted, right? To the pandemic. You had an entrepreneurial spirit. You wanted to do your own thing. You were motivated. Was that your sort of outlet to adapt to the changing world around you? Yeah, it's, you know, it's funny that you bring all that up, Portland, because yeah, we were looking at, I was, my intention, what Chef Kirk is talking about is that I wanted to work in a plant-based restaurant, like a fine dining plant-based restaurant. That was my goal for my externship at Escoffier. I really wanted to get that experience under my belt. And, you know, I think I still would like to do that at some point, see what the real plant-based experts are doing. If you haven't learned by now, that's where my passion lies in plant-based cooking and eating and plant-based food innovation in particular. But yeah, I guess I've never really defined the soulful spread as like my adaptation to the pandemic, but you're not wrong about that. If things had been different, I probably would have ended up in Portland, but Mm -hmm. as it became very clear. It just was a wiser choice to stay put where I was to continue working at that farm to table bistro. And it was through that experience working here at home that I learned that I like to work from my own home. And that's where the private chef company started. And so the soulful spread has two components. If you don't mind me just explaining. No, absolutely. It's half a private chef services company. So I cook for clients here in the the local Boulder and Golden area, the Denver metro area, and deliver meals 
to them. And the other part of it is uh, virtual cooking classes. And I think the virtual cooking classes is a real adaptation to the pandemic because I, I found during this time that people have become much more interested in cooking in their own kitchens. People who perhaps previously were not interested in cooking, I think have become a lot more interested in, oh yeah, how how do I make good food from home? Because suddenly they have to, they have, they're suddenly responsible for making three meals a day for their kids, for their partners, for their families. And it's become a lot more important to a lot of people to become skilled in the kitchen. And yeah, I definitely capitalized on that interest and started offering these virtual cooking classes. And I found that people were, there was an interest and people started taking me up on it. So through Zoom, yeah, I'd I'd start offering tailored, customized cooking classes to individuals, to families, to couples, things like that, which differed from my previous offerings, which was in-person cooking classes. Like you mentioned, you know, I I loved teaching in-person cooking classes with Escoffier. That was such a blast. Really grateful to you for making that a possibility and making that a reality. And before that, I was I was teaching cooking classes on a volunteer basis at Alfalfa's Market here in Boulder. Was a chef instructor at Food Lab where I taught a lot of kids how to bake cakes and make homemade pasta and things like that. So yeah, cooking classes, teaching has been a part of my life for a couple of years now, really ever since I got started in the industry. And I found that I, I just love doing that. So yeah, that's that's kind of the, the story behind the soulful spread. Oh, and you've got such a talent. Uh, I'll I'll get you back here in the kitchens teaching eventually. That 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 fingers crossed. I'll hold you to it. <laughs> that I promise you. That I promise you. So I, I want to go back. You've mentioned private chef a couple of times. I think it's a fascinating outlet. I think it's a fascinating job path. How is that different? Uh, the entrepreneurial piece of it. You're doing the ordering. You're doing the menu design. Speak a little bit more about being a private chef as a career path for our listeners. Totally. Yeah. It's a fun learning curve. You know, as as any entrepreneurial opportunity is, it's a steep learning curve, but I found it to be really fun. You know, if you're if you're into that kind of thing, suddenly you go from working in restaurants where all the food is ordered by the executive chef or the sous chef and <laughs> everything's taken care of there. You know, you go from that large scale production to a much smaller scale production, but suddenly you're in charge of it all. And yeah, ordering product, doing your own shopping weekly, you, you become very acquainted with your supermarkets, your local supermarkets, which has been fun, developing relationships with them, developing relationships with suppliers for to-go containers, uh, whatever serving vessels that you decide your clients like. I went with 100% compostable, recyclable serving containers because I was doing food delivery. Whereas a lot of private chefs will actually cook inside of their clients' homes. But this being pandemic era, it just didn't seem like the wisest choice to do that. So I offered delivery and um, clients seem to be very happy with that option. So yeah, ordering your own to-go containers is a fun thing. Packaging things, making them look pretty and making them look pretty even when they arrive at the client's house, which is a whole other process in itself which I didn't even anticipate. I've never had to think about that before. How do you make a dish not only pretty on the plate when you make it, but to make it hot, ready, 
and appetizing and delicious looking after it's delivered. I mean, that's was that the toughest part? Itself. Having to sort of forecast out what does this look like when they open it twenty minutes after I drop it off. Definitely one of the more difficult parts, but honestly, that whole thing is. I view that as kind of the fun of it all, Mm -hmm. thinking through that process. And I've always kind of been inclined toward food photography and making things look nice. So I think because I I enjoy that part of the process, really making sure it looks beautiful for the client is just something that I enjoy, but definitely challenging for sure. The marketing piece too, right? Because you've got to do the website yourself or... All the photos, I've been on your website a million times. So all the photos of the food, that's that's all you, right? Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah it's yeah. not it's not done by a professional no, photographer no. <laughs> and anything. All done taking pictures with my phone. <laughs> and to be to be honest with you, I really want to get better at the food photography aspect and the marketing aspect. For anybody who's listening who's interested in being an entrepreneur or a private chef, like I, I want to make it clear that like this was all just kind of learning as I go. And I feel like there's still so much to learn. There was no like structure behind the learning. It was just like, as a challenge presented itself, I realized, oh, I should probably learn how to do that better. And then I learned how to do it better. (laughs) And it was just like one thing led to the next, another thing. And so it's not like you have to go into this whole thing pre-planned. Certainly you wouldn't be hurt by a little forward thinking, (laughs) but I went into it without any kind of forward thinking mindset. And I I just kind of tackled things as they came and it ended up working out pretty well, which is tough for me, honestly, as a physics, like with a physics and scientific background, I feel like I need to pre-plan everything. And so this whole experience was actually really uncomfortable for me, just kind of thinking on my feet, but I think it was really good for me as well doing that. Well, it feels organic. It feels whimsical. That's good for all of us, right? It's good for the soul to do that, right? Uh, Yeah, you're catching on to the name there. There you go. (laughs) See how I did that? See how I did that? (laughs) Hey, let's pivot a little bit. I want to come back to the plant base. You know, we've talked about it a lot. My family and I, for maybe four years now, we're plant-centric. What does that mean? That means that we eat more plants more often. Call it 80-20, 70-30 you know, that sort of thing. And I think you're about the same, right? At least you're kind of dabbling back and forth. But what is it about plant-based cooking that's super exciting to you? Oh, gosh. Great question. You know, Chef Kirk, I think there are very few silver bullets in this world. And by silver bullet, I mean like a catch-all solution to a lot of problems. There's so many challenges that entrepreneurs and and anybody can work to solve in the world today. A lot of them relating to climate change. And climate change is just one piece of the plant-based puzzle, I think. But going back to that silver bullet, I kind of break plant-based eating down into three main components. You either transition to a plant-based diet or a more plant-centric diet, as you mentioned, for one of three reasons. There are like three gateways. And I think one of them is health. You might be motivated with health reasons to adopt a more healthy plant-centric diet. You might be motivated through animal welfare. I think that's another big 
issue in the in the food industry is is just the treatment of animals and the oppression of animals essentially and the third gateway into a plant-based diet might be the environment like i mentioned climate change is is just a monumental issue that seems honestly larger than life a little bit too big to handle and i think a lot of people are kind of scared away just even trying to grasp the enormity of the issue and so by a silver bullet i mean that just by eliminating i won't even say eliminating by incorporating more plants into your diet i don't want you to think about this as a narrowing of anything as a as a restriction of anything rather i'd like to think it as an enlarging of your creative capacities that's how often how i describe a plant based diet i think that just by doing that simple incorporation of more plants into your diet you are tackling three very very large issues animal welfare like i mentioned health and the environment you're doing a lot <laughs> in those i mean there there are so many statistics and you can look up the numbers on your own about how just that simple switch can do so much for the world and i think it's that learning about that these issues learning a little bit more about them and how much you're doing just by altering your diet a little bit that's my motivation essentially that's my motivation for personally adopting a more plant centric diet and also being motivated to show people that it's not a scary thing it's an exciting thing something that's enlarging of your creative capacities rather than than a shrinking of them or a restriction of your freedom <laughs> so brilliant chain i mean so well said the gateways the silver bullet not a restriction we're not taking away we're sort of expanding i just love i'm so proud of you i just love the way you <laughs> articulated that in the few minutes that we have left still on the plant based piece do you see some advantages for new cooks young cooks chefs in the industry who um have really been focused on on animal proteins for a long time do you see a shift occurring in the industry is there an advantage for our cooks today to better understand a plant-based diet yeah that's a great point chef i think there is definitely advantage 100% yes to that but i think there is still i'm a little hesitant on the meat centric chefs you know the traditional chefs who are used to doing it that way there's a lot of resistance still against the idea of a plant-based diet. I've worked in several restaurant settings where the executive chefs, the sous chefs still see it as a burden, a really big burden to accommodate vegetarian and plant-based vegan diets. It's usually more in jest than in seriousness and they're you know they're just like, "Oh, why do I have to cook for this vegan customer?" So there's still a resistance to it, but I think to answer your question i think it's slowly melting away and i think as society becomes more excited about this topic which it definitely is in in many clear ways i mean just look at the amount of plant-based companies popping up around the world i think people are are having to accept reality that people are are starting to i think play with the idea that there might be a better way of doing things than just the traditional meat dairy way of cooking they're finding that more and more chefs around the world are playing with plant-based ingredients with more vegetables and society is 
accepting it. And, and that's the driver for the change. I mean, as customers are demanding it, and as customers start demanding it more, chefs will need to accommodate them. They will need to. And so it's really a consumer-driven it requires both sides, consumer-driven and chef-driven, but um, the consumers are the ones, I think, who convince those chefs who are a little more resistant to change, for sure. But it's exciting. Now, it's so exciting to be in the restaurant industry and seeing these changes happen pretty quickly. It's an exciting time. Very thoughtful answer. I, I appreciate it. it. It is nice to see you know, some moderation, some tolerance, our society, the culture is shifting a little bit, and it's great for tomorrow chefs to be ready for what the customer wants. I'm so excited. I'm going to put you on the spot. Here we are. We're having this wonderful chat. And what people don't know is the the frenzied behavior that's going on behind the scenes. Because tomorrow, as I understand it, you're heading east, right? Talking talking about plant-based companies. What's next for Shane? Can you share just a little bit? Sure. Yeah. Thanks for the opportunity to share. You can probably see I have a, a box in, in my background. Even I'm I all it. packed up and ready to go. Actually, right after this interview, I'm headed to grab a U-Haul truck. And yeah, really exciting. I'm headed to the St. Louis area. I recently accepted a position as the culinary specialist for a company called Hungry Planet Foods, which is a plant-based protein company that's been around for a long time, but they're just starting to get really big. And I think there's a lot of potential with them. So it's kind of funny because we've been talking about the soulful spread this whole time, but that's not going to end. I still plan to offer my online virtual cooking classes probably on a more intermittent basis, but yeah, from starting next week, I will be back in that nine to five Monday through Friday structure. But I'm so excited to make this transition because essentially the things I'll be doing are all roles and responsibilities that either I love doing already, for instance, recipe testing, recipe development for plant-based foods, or things that I wish I was doing at this point and feel like I would really enjoy. So that's that's more along the lines of being a culinary ambassador, potentially traveling around showing consumers how to use this new plant-based protein product and possibly doing recipe demos, which I've dabbled in a little bit before, but I'll probably be doing a little bit more, maybe doing a little bit more with social media for them. So it's a very multifaceted role. There's a lot of different things that I'll be doing, but they all sound super exciting. And thanks again for letting me share a little bit about oh, that. Oh, you know it. Here, here, here's another word. Awesome. It's an awesome opportunity. <laughs> and shamelessly, word. shamelessly, I'm so excited that you'll be working with one of my dearest friends, Chef Rhonda Santos, certified master chef and Escoffier board member. He is a wonderful, wonderful person. But congratulations on that, Shane. And thank you so much for sharing some of your thoughts with us on our first podcast. I am so unbelievably proud of you and excited about your future. We'll have you back. Okay. Is that a promise? I'll hold you to it, Jeff. Okay. I appreciate okay. that. This has been a lot of fun. Thanks absolutely, so much. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thanks, Shane. All right. Take care. We'll see you next time. <laughs>